Every 68 seconds, someone in America is sexually assaulted. I am one of those people, and maybe you are too. If you're anything like me, you have burning questions, shame, guilt, and maybe fear weighing down on you at all hours of the day. Whether something terrible happened to you yesterday or 40 years ago, we all deal with the lasting effects of abuse and trauma of all kinds. To my fellow survivors, thank you for being here. Thank you for being courageous enough to just listen. To those who know a survivor, thank you for being willing to learn. To my listeners who aren't either of those things, thank you for supporting us by listening and learning. Every podcast episode I record has the possibility of being difficult for some of my listeners to hear, so be easy on yourself. Pick a time and place that suits you best, and don't be afraid to pause something and come back later when you found the courage to do so. I love you all, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to Every 68 Seconds. My name's Courtney. I am your host. You'll be hearing from me every week and maybe a guest or two. Um, Yeah, I'm so excited to, you know, be recording this first episode. I'll be honest with y'all. It is the night before I'm posting this. Um, I always leave things to the last minute, but yeah, I'm I'm pumped to get into this topic. It's going to be a hard one for some of you. Definitely was hard for me to even prepare it today, so that says a lot, but I'm hoping you guys um, are, you know, listening with some open ears and, you know, (laughs) some courage, I think, is what we'll probably need for today. Um, But yeah, I wanted to kind of share, like, why I'm even credible enough to, like, be talking about this. So I was... Um, sexually assaulted two and a half years ago. And I also experienced some other forms of abuse from the abuser. Um, And yeah, it's been a long road of healing and just going through it. (laughs) And it wasn't until a year ago that I even wanted to or thought about making a podcast. And the reason was really because I remember, you know, dealing with the um, after effects of my trauma and, you know, just listening to podcasts, trying to Google things. I had so many questions of like, why did this happen to me? How could I let this happen to me? Definitely blaming myself. I still have problems with that, but I just remember searching all over the internet for a resource or something that I could read or listen listen to that would make me feel understood. I knew that I wasn't alone, but I just felt like I wasn't understood. So yeah, I just had this idea probably a year ago and I have been on a long road of kind of going through my own healing to be even in a place to do this. So I honestly just hope that this podcast can kind of be a source for y'all. Even if you're not a survivor, you know, and you know somebody, this could be a total big help to you. But for my survivors particularly, this is definitely made for you. Um, You guys are on my heart and on my mind pretty often, especially as I've been preparing this. And my hope is just that you would feel understood for once and you would hear stories that make you feel heard and like, you know, you're not stupid for 
what happened to you. That's something that I really struggle with is like, gosh, I let this happen to me. I'm so dumb. And I'm sure there's a lot of you that feel the same way. So anyways, that is kind of my hope for y'all and, and the why behind, you know, what I'm doing with this. And I just really hope you guys can hear some stories. Um, and even today, it's not really a story. It's more so kind of that first step of getting to that healing point for you guys. And it's going to be hard, but I hope you'll bear with me and, you know, we can get through this together. So the topic today is, are you in denial? And it's a really hard uh, question to answer because oftentimes if you are in denial, you don't really know it. You don't really realize it. And that's exactly what I experienced when I was in denial right after my traumatic experiences with um, different kinds of abuse, like I said. So yeah, this is honestly the first step to feeling understood and kind of getting into that healing process. I know people say healing all the time and it's probably annoying and it feels weird because that's exactly how I felt. Like people are, were telling me go to therapy so you can heal. And I was like, what does that even mean heal? Like, I don't know what that means. Um, and for me, what I've learned healing really means is being able to come to terms with what's happened to me, understand that it doesn't define me and use that terrible thing that happened for good. So that's what I'm doing today. (laughs) And I hope, um, as we're talking about denial, like you'll, you'll hear some things that maybe you relate to, or maybe you're experiencing now or have in the past. And yeah, Uh, I do want to kind of preface the, I'll be using the word victim in this episode particularly, and you'll realize I normally use the word survivor, of course, but when I'm talking about the actual events that have happened to us, I really do think it's important to use the word victim because although it's the, the word victim has been used negatively by media and by whoever you want to want to talk about. Um, I think the word victim is actually very important. And the reason for that is if you don't have a victim, then you don't have an abuser, right? You don't have a perpetrator, somebody that did something to you. And if you don't have that, then you definitely are going to be in denial of what has happened to you. And that's not a way to, you know, move on. And I shouldn't say move on because you really can't, but you know, to start to come to terms and heal from what has happened to you. So I think using the word victim today will be beneficial and I hope it doesn't you know, bother anybody or offend anyone. Cause I do think that we're all survivors of abuse and trauma and we can go from being a victim in that moment to being a victor in our healing process. So yeah, I guess we can get started with the fun stuff. Not really, but try to make light of difficult things, right? Um, Yeah, so I'm going to tell you guys a story. Uh, After I was sexually assaulted, I went to meet a friend. Yes, I went and met a friend. She had no idea what just happened to me. Um, It was the evening. It had happened kind of in the afternoon, and I remember... I had been living in DC or at least around DC at the time. And I remember pulling into Georgetown, which is like one of my favorite places. And of course now it has this kind of negative connotation. I've been back there since. 
Um, I've definitely been able to been able to deal with that, but for a long time, I could not go back there because of this. Um, but yeah, I remember driving into Georgetown. Normally it's such a nice experience, but today it obviously wasn't. I immediately changed my clothes. I, I had actually brought a change of clothes um, to meet with my friend. I had changed my clothes in the car and I started just walking around aimlessly in the neighborhoods, passing by all these beautiful houses and telling myself out loud, that didn't just happen. That didn't just happen. That didn't just happen. And then I went on with my evening, like it really didn't happen. And then the next day I almost killed myself. And the reason was I felt so much shame and I was blaming myself for what happened. I honestly did not know that I had been assaulted. I thought I cheated on my boyfriend at the time. And I figured, you know, ending it now is way easier than having to tell anybody about this. Um, luckily I didn't go through with that. So the next day I went back to work and I saw my abuser there because he was my coworker. I acted completely normal to him and everyone else. And I was almost like too happy to the point where he noticed it and felt like he needed to talk to me about why I was so happy. He did not understand, which should have been a red flag for me. Um, but you know, I figured it out later. And it wasn't until I finally told my boyfriend at the time what happened to me like four days later that I began to step out of this denial. Um, And even when telling him, I explained it like it had been my fault and like I had cheated on him. And luckily he was extremely patient. I mean, he was angry, but he was patient enough to kind of ask me like, okay, what really happened? And after explaining it to him, he pointed out to me, Courtney, that was sexual assault. Like you were sexually assaulted. And I was like, what? Like, no, I wasn't. I was so just taken aback by that because I never thought that that would happen to me. I really didn't. I had friends who it had happened to. I had heard about it happening to people, but never did I think that it would happen to me. And from then it's just been an incredibly intense, difficult terrible, but also enlightening and strengthening and just an amazing journey to where I am now with you guys today. Um, And I just want to kind of start off with the fact that no one should ever, ever feel ashamed that they're in denial of something that's happened to them because denial is literally a defense mechanism and your brain is just trying to keep you safe by not addressing something that is so terrifying to address, right? Um, So please never feel like you should be ashamed of this and like, don't feel like I'm shaming you either. I have literally dealt with this myself and I still, I still deal with some of this even now, two and a half years ago. So yeah, I just want to kind of preface that no one should ever feel ashamed for being in denial or feeling like you're denying some of the things that have happened to you. You can't even remember it sometimes. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like there are five really like main things and reasons why people tend to not be able to come to terms with something that's happened to them, um, or are just in denial about it for even sometimes years. Like it only took me 
a few days to kind of come out of this denial. And that honestly, like, that's just pure luck for me. The fact that I had a boyfriend at the time that kind of like, you know, kind of like had to get it out of me. Um, That is just pure luck and a blessing (laughs) for me. And I know that that's not kind of like the typical experience that people have. So um, I want to kind of go over the five main reasons that I've kind of seen in myself and other people that people will, you know, not be able to come to terms with their abuse and trauma. Um, And those five things are, number one, it's too painful to face it. Number two, there's shame. And so it causes us to hide it. Number three, self-blame. So it's not the abuser's fault. It's my fault. Number four, we feel the need to protect the abuser. And number five, fear of some kind, like threatening or fear of losing something. Um, These have been definitely the five that I've dealt with most in my denial. And I feel like it's really important to put these out there, talk about how they can manifest in our lives. Because like I said before, I was, (laughs) I didn't even know I was in denial. So um, some of you might be in that place where you don't even know that you're not coming to terms with it or addressing something that's happened to you, or maybe you're in the process and hearing this will actually make you feel understood and heard, right? So I'm going to go through these in a little bit more detail and I'm hoping, you know, something will stand out. You'll feel like, oh my gosh, that's me. Like that is exactly what I've been doing or what I did in the past. Um, yeah. So number one is the abuse is just too painful to face. So like I kind of said before, this is 100% like a defense mechanism, right? It's just too painful to face full on. And it can even make us like block out or forget some of the you know pain that we experience from um, physical or emotional trauma, right? So this can actually manifest sometimes as dissociation. And this is something that I actually experienced during my sexual assault or sexual trauma is this dissociation where the body and the mind detach in a way. And I actually learned about this term in psychology classes, but I, it never happened to me until this, you know, trauma that I experienced. Um, And that can lead to memory loss or just really fuzzy memories. And a lot of times you can even start to doubt your memories because they're not super clear because you did experience some kind of dissociation. Um, And some people can be unsure sometimes about whether they even were abused, if they do have these memory issues, especially if it happened like a long time ago or in childhood when your memories aren't really clear in the first place, right? So the disconnection between the mind and body can actually last like way longer than the event itself. And most of the time it does. So I for sure have still, I still deal with the effects of this like disconnection between my mind and my body. Um, And one thing I did to address that a little bit was go to music therapy. Um, Gosh, like a couple years ago now, and I'm going to be doing a whole separate podcast. I'm hoping to even get the therapist on the podcast to interview her because it was such an amazing experience and it definitely kind of like kickstarted my healing process of connecting the mind and body back together. So just kind of a side note, but, um, yeah, like I said, this is all 
defense mechanism because it's so painful. Um, and my own experience with this was, like I was saying, I've, I've experienced this disconnection between the mind and body from the dissociation. So when I was being abused, I remember, like, I can remember actually dissociating. It was so weird. Like I was just there, but it was like my brain turned off and I just didn't, I wasn't aware anymore of what was happening to my body, if that makes sense. And I'm sure a lot of you can experience or can relate to this um, experience. So this definitely happened to me. And just the fact that the abuse is so painful can cause things like denial, dissociation, um, a disconnection there as well. Number two, uh, shame makes us hide it. So I kind of looked up the definition of shame because I felt like we all know, you know, what shame is, but I, I feel like the definition could really just shed light on how that is affecting us in our own lives. So from the dictionary, shame is a negative and disturbing emotional experience involving feelings of self-condemnation and the desire to hide the damaged self from others. So the reason I even included this is because I just think it's so freaking on point. Um, especially like the damaged self part that really, really stuck out to me. I was just, you know, in my mind, like after that happened to me, I was damaged goods. Like I, there was nothing good about me anymore. And it came from the feeling of helplessness, feeling like, you know, my body and space were invaded, um, feeling betrayed by my own body because it responded positively to the touch of my abuser. And that was a huge reason as well of, you know, why I wanted to kill myself the next day. Um, there's a lot of kind of reasons where like the shame can manifest itself. And especially when you're seeing yourself as damaged, right? Um, I can't tell you how many times I've told my now husband who was my boyfriend when this happened to me that I just feel broken and I feel damaged and I don't feel good anymore. Like I'm, a, I'm a whole person. Um, and he is extremely helpful in reminding me that I am and that I'm not, well, I should say that I am whole. <laughs> I'm a whole person. I'm not broken. I am not defined by what's happened to me. Right. But despite people telling us this, I'm sure a lot of you can relate to me and agree that the shame still manifests itself. Even when people tell us these things that we probably want and need to hear because gosh, like why wouldn't we feel shame for, from these feelings of helplessness and betrayal, right? Um, those are things that often cause shame in general. So it's definitely, it definitely makes sense that we as survivors of trauma would feel this shame. Um, and sometimes it can even come from thinking that the relationship between the victim and abuser was some kind of a love affair, or they felt like they were cared for by the abuser, which would definitely cause, you know, shame and self-blame for the victim. Um, and something that my husband actually shared with me, he read an article and I'm trying to remember where it was from. I think it was the Baltimore sun, which is super random, but he read an article about quote, the, the perfect victim. 
And I was like, what are you talking about? And he explained to me that there's this kind of like believed notion around everywhere, I feel like, honestly, um, where there's this specific kind of victim, this perfect victim, this perfect, you know, picture of sexual abuse or even other kinds of abuse where if you don't experience that specific um, well-known experience of the perfect victim, then, you know, you don't think it actually happened to you. And the way that this kind of relates to me is just that in my experience, it was this like eight month long thing with my abuser, um, becoming friends with him, feeling like he was a spiritual leader of some kind to me. He was like eight years older than me. So, you know, in my head, it was this like teacher and student kind of relationship. Um, it turned kind of into like a more than platonic thing, um, of his own volition. And he pretty much convinced me over time that I couldn't say no to him. I couldn't talk back to him. He was right about everything, especially spiritual stuff. And eventually, obviously, I was sexually assaulted um, because of this eight-month-long, I would say, grooming process, for lack of a better term. And like that's just not something you hear about very much. At least I had never heard about something like this. I always hear about, gosh, like the um, the TV shows where they have a sexual assault victim or rape victim that was taken down an alley or something like that. And it's very like violent and aggressive. And that was just not my experience. And it's hard when you have this commonly known, I guess, idea of what the perfect victim is and you don't fit into that box. Right. And so that's where a lot of my shame and honestly self-blame came from as well. So um, the third reason that people stay in denial is self-blame. And some for some people, including me, um, I chose to be there and hang out with my abuser that day. And so for a long time, you know, that was my fault. And he 100% added to that idea and wanted to make sure that I, that I thought it was my fault because I agreed to meet with him that day. Um, and some abusers blame the victim for wearing seductive clothing or flirting, even when they aren't, um, agreeing to hang out with them on a regular basis. Um, and a lot of other things, but those, you know, flirting was something that I was accused of doing and I wasn't, and it eventually ended with what it ended with. So, um, that 100% has been a source of blame for self-blame for me as well. Um, some victims were under the influence or intoxicated, whether by their own volition or, or by actions of the abuser. And that could mean that they don't really remember it very clearly, or they think that that is what caused them to be abused was the actual fact that they were intoxicated. And I just want to preface like, y'all, you are not to blame because you were intoxicated. Like just because you have some drinks or whatever does not mean that anyone has the right to do something like that to you. So just want to put that out there. Um, and 
another thing that can cause self-blame is um, the perpetrator actually telling the victim it's their fault. And that was something that definitely happened to me. Um, and especially if the abuser or perpetrator um, is held with high esteem among other people, that can cause the victim to think, well, it's definitely not their fault because they're such a great person and everyone loves them so much. So it has to be my fault. Right. And that was something that I definitely experienced. My abuser was like very well known in my workplace. He was this super godly man, um, just very wise and always sitting alone and praying or reading his Bible or whatever. And that caused me to think, well, there's nothing he can do that's wrong. Like he's a righteous person. So this must be my fault. Right. Um, and I also blame myself for even being, I guess, vulnerable enough to like allow him to infiltrate my life, if that makes sense. Um, and I also want to just say like, I don't share my experience to like put blame on you guys. If you've experienced the same thing, I'm just, you know, sharing my own experience of how I blame myself. And I feel like a lot of people probably blame themselves for some of the same reasons. And I'm still working myself on, you know, just fighting against the idea that I am to blame. And people tell me all the time that I'm not, but it's so hard. Like we we as survivors know how hard it is for us to agree and believe that it's not our fault. Right. Um, but yeah, so the fourth thing is, um, maybe less common because it's probably only in situations where there's a relationship between the abuser and the victim, but this one is the need to protect the abuser. So this happens in a lot of different kinds of, um, abuse. So it can be like physical abuse or sexual or whatever you might think. But <clears throat> obviously I'm focusing a little bit more on sexual assault or abuse, but I, I think this, these all really do kind of um, apply to other kinds of abuse as well. But some victims feel like they still care for the abuser. And that's something I definitely experienced because over the eight months that we had built this kind of quote unquote relationship, I definitely felt like I cared about him. I thought he cared about me. And it was that whole kind of grooming process, like I said before. Um, and this can happen between people that are in a committed relationship, like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, and wife, like this can literally happen. Any of these kinds of abuse can happen in a, even a committed relationship, which is not what I was in, but, um, there was still that caring aspect. Right. And, you know, you start to think like, does he really love me? Have I caused these things to happen? And it's not their fault. So I'm going to try to protect them. I feel like they think I'm special and they care for me. Um, and I know that this happens honestly a lot with like physical abuse between spouses or boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, this happens so much with police officers having to like respond to a call about physical abuse, like domestic violence. And it's literally like the victim that will call and then they arrive and they go to arrest the abuser and the victim of the abuse, like basically, you know, tells them, never mind. Um, like, I don't want to press charges anymore. And 
this is kind of, you know, what a lot of us experience with these kinds of abuse is just this need to protect the perpetrator or the abuser. Um, for me, people were telling me up and down, as soon as I told my boyfriend at the time, told my parents, um, told my workplace, even people told me over and over again, like you need to report this, like you should report this. I went to the doctor to get checked and they told me like, you really should report this. I can't tell you what to do. And I'm not going to report myself, but you really should. You need to hold him accountable or whatever. And the biggest reason, besides blaming myself, obviously, the other biggest reason that I didn't was because of this need that I felt to protect my abuser. And I really can't explain it. It's, It's hard to explain like why, but I really was in that abuse fog. And I'll probably talk about abuse fog in the future because it's such a really important topic, honestly, but because of this abuse fog, which is basically just fogging my logic, I, I really can't tell you why I felt like I needed to protect him. Um, yeah. And number five is fear. So this is something I definitely experienced as well. And many of you probably have as well with your, um, abuse, whether it be sexual or not. So I was definitely, threatened in a way by my abuser after it happened. Um, I also was terrified that I would lose my job because he told me like, if you tell anyone at work, we're both going to get fired. And I believed him. Um, he told me that my boyfriend would probably break up with me. So I was terrified to lose my boyfriend. And I was also afraid myself of just being seen differently by other people. Um, and I was afraid of, telling people and them not believing me, especially because this, this abuser was extremely well-known and like highly revered at my work. So that was a whole other aspect of it that I was like, people will never believe me if I tell them. Um, yeah. So there's also fear of even addressing the, the abuse that you've experienced, which is a whole other big reason why we stay in denial is just this fear of, you know, coming out of this and finding yourself again. Right. Um, I've definitely experienced this fear of even trying to heal from it. And it's weird because we want to be in this place where we feel whole again, but we're terrified of the steps that it takes to get there, which it makes sense, but it's also, you know, it's kind of contradicting in a way. Um, and I read a book, well, I'm reading a book. I'm over halfway done with it and it's called claim your power. And of course I can't remember the author name right now, but I'm sure if you look it up, you'll find it. It's like a black, um, book cover with white letters. And it was referred to me actually by a friend of mine. And I'm just so thankful to her for recommending it to me. She didn't even actually know exactly what I had gone through, but she still like sent it my way knowing that I'd gone through something at least. And, um, it's been really awesome. And he talks about this whole denial kind of thing. Um, and like I said, how we are creating this safe space in our brain and it's a defense mechanism for us to be in denial. Um, but he says, and this is, (laughs) this is probably going to be hard to hear because it's a little harsh, but it's so true. If you are still in denial, you are already living in the rock bottom of what you fear. 
So like I said, we all have these fears of addressing what we've gone through, but the like we want to be at the end point, right? This end point where we don't feel like we define ourselves by our abuse anymore, but by not addressing what we've gone through, we're just living the fear that we have that we'll never be whole again, right? We all fear like, oh, I'm never going to be whole again. I'm never going to be able to be in a relationship again because I can't trust guys or I, or for the men who've been abused, I can't trust women or same-sex relationships. I can't trust this person that this, did this to me and I don't feel like I can ever be in a relationship again. All of these fears, like if we're not addressing what happened to us, we are living in the rock bottom of that fear already. So what good does it do you to stay there, right? It doesn't do you any good at all. Um, And he goes on to say, you're currently living within the prison of your greatest fear. That may sound bad, but really it's encouraging. The only way to go is up. It doesn't mean that it'll be easy. Change is never easy. Growth is always painful, but it'll be worth it. And you'll no longer live the fear, but rather you'll face it head on and conquer it. So man, it's so true, right? Um, When you start following your fears, which always requires courage, (laughs) nobody ever wants to follow fear. Like what? You want to run away from fear, right? At least for me. Um, But when you follow the fears that you have, you begin to realize that the areas of greatest fear are also the areas most associated with your purpose and power. So if I had never followed my fear, which was addressing what happened to me, if I had never followed that, I never would have known that there was a purpose for my pain, right? I would not be doing this podcast right now. And I'll probably get emotional talking about this, but it's so true. Like if I hadn't addressed it two and a half years ago, I mean, it took me a long time to get to this point. Like I'm not saying it's a quick fix once you just, oh, this happened to me and you admit it to yourself. Like I'm not saying that it's a quick fix and it's going to be rainbows and daisies and unicorns forever. It's not, it's actually going to be really freaking hard and going through the healing process and addressing the trauma, the PTSD, like that stuff is hard. It is, but it's worth it. It's so worth it in the end to just freaking, you know, run after the fear, follow it, see where it leads you because that's where you find the power. Like I have mentioned before that power is already there. It's just buried under all of this freaking trauma. Like the power, let's be honest, when we were abused, that power was taken from us. We didn't have a choice and it wasn't our fault. But the only way to get that power back is by following the fear. Be courageous. Like you can do it. You've already gotten through a really hard part, which was going through the trauma in the first place. So freaking just understand that your purpose is in that, that pain. Purpose can always, always come from pain. And I just think we kind of forget that we, we want to stay in the safe space, but you know what? Growth never comes from a comfort zone. And I read a lot of personal development books, which has also been a part of my healing journey. And Claim Your Power is definitely one of them. But 
I read a lot of them and they have so much truth to them, right? Like if I could recommend anything, I would definitely recommend reading some books that they just address these really deep insecurities. And some of them address trauma that we've experienced, like this book that I shared about tonight. And I just think it's so important to read from people who've experienced some things like you've experienced. And that's kind of what you're doing right now is you're listening to somebody that has experienced something similar to what you've experienced. And I hope that this episode is just kind of opening your eyes to maybe some ways that you've been denying the pain that you've experienced. And I don't want you to feel ashamed of that. I want you to feel empowered that you're coming to the realization and feel empowered that you're addressing it. Just listening to this is addressing it. I don't think you realize that, but it really is. You're addressing it. And that's the first step to a lot more steps. And they're not going to be easy, but they're going to be worth it. Um, So I really appreciate you guys listening to this first episode and hope it wasn't too cut and dry for y'all. I definitely want to dive into some maybe more um, interesting topics. And next week, I think I'm going to talk more about that perfect victim because I, I think that's so important to address what the perfect victim looks like and how so many of our experiences have nothing to do with this like false narrative or this myth that is just floating around all over the place. So yeah, I hope to chat with you guys again next week and that you'll take a listen. Um, And yeah, thank you so much for being here. Hello, hello, it's me again. Uh, I wanted to just end this with a request from y'all. First of all, I would really appreciate some suggestions for future episode topics. I'd love to hear about what you would love to hear from me. And also, I'd really, really, really appreciate if you could share this on your social media accounts, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Um, Share this because I know there's people out there who are just like you that could really benefit from listening to this kind of podcast. Uh, Another thing I would really appreciate is if you guys could go on to Apple Podcasts and if you loved this episode and are excited to hear more from me, you could just put a review on there. Um, I would just really appreciate that because it would show Apple that, you know, I have a listening and people are interested in what I have to share. So yeah, thank you guys so much and I'll see you next week.